Welcome to this very special edition of the KJ Masterclass Live, the show which ensures that you profit from your time spent here with experts, either through the industry insights, information, or simply learning from them. And today we have Bob Hertz, retired health general insurance agent and full-time advocate for health reform. And he discusses how individuals can deal with and prevent medical death. And he also proposes serious legal reforms that will reduce the scandalous medical debt that surrounds us today in the U.S. and many places across the world. Welcome to the show, Bob. Thank you very much, AJ. You are welcome to the show. Welcome to India. And I'm sure a lot of people across the world will benefit from your advice. So we'll be talking about how to deal with medical debt. You have waged a war against medical debt. So first to understand from you, what's the reason behind this passion, the war on medical debt? I was an insurance agent for health coverage for during my working life. And I got tired of seeing the pain that was caused to people. And I saw ways to reduce it. So my goal is to advise people when they have debt, advise people how to minimize the debt, and if possible, suggest remedies for the American medical debt. Right, right. And I'm sure a lot of these remedies in one form or the other will also be applicable to other places across the world because uh, many a times this healthcare system, the government system is not able to cope with and private insurance, you know, or, or any sort of insurance, especially health insurance, not everybody has been covered on, uh, with that. And even then, there are so many things uh, in, in that whole aspect of, you know, coverage and still whether they are getting that enough coverage or whether uh, insurance companies are able to honor that coverage when the time comes. So be that as it may, uh, uh, Bob, help us understand in terms of uh, if anybody is uh, uh, is not able to use insurance or if the insurance is less for, for whatever reasons, the medical debt, how can one make sure that they do not have this medical debt, especially in their lives? You talk about several points. So I think straight away we come to that. Yes, there are a series of things that you have to do in any nation to limit your medical debt. <coughs> Number one, where possible, ask what the procedure is going to cost. We have all been somewhat spoiled, not we all, but many of us in America have been somewhat spoiled by having comprehensive coverage and we never had to ask. And it takes a little gumption. We don't like to ask that of doctors, but there's really no choice. You have to ask what it's going to cost. Number two, document what you are told because doctors aren't perfect, clinics aren't perfect. They might make a mistake or something might happen during your procedure. But if you have documented what they told you, you have a step up. Number three, don't pay the first bill. Clinics and hospitals will send out a bill sometimes the day 
after you're done and it's done from a computer no one sat down to, to pick on you and it may not be accurate you may be oh. built for things that, that were never done for you i won't go into the detail of how the bills are made but it's a series of computer instructions and it's not individualized number four if you have insurance ask if the bill has gone to your insurer some clinics knowing that insurance companies delay payments will send you the whole bill right away in the hope that you will be scared and will pay it all and then if the insurance company comes in a month later and it's a little less well too bad they've got your money so you should make sure the bill has gone to your insurance. The next thing, once you've cleared up these initial issues, is to keep open a line of communication. It's very understandable that in the aftermath of a medical procedure, and you may be feeling, you may still be healing depending on how serious it was, it's about the last thing you want to do is to challenge or read or discuss a medical bill. And perhaps you have a spouse or a friend or an advocate or someone like me to advocate for you. But whatever it is, open a line of communication with the provider. It's not widely known, but the worst problems with medical debt, including lawsuits, bankruptcies, legal issues do not come from the provider as a rule. They come from the, the, the doctor or the hospital is to some extent on your side because they have been patients themselves and they don't want to harm you. They need money and they have to operate, but they don't necessarily want to beat you up. And the worst instances the most tragic and sad cases come when the person has ignored the provider and just let the bill sit there for a month or two months or three months in hopes that the provider will forget about it. Uh, but they won't. And if the provider gives up on you and sends you to what's called a debt collection agency, that's when the ugly stuff really starts. Debt collection agencies are impersonal and uncaring. They're paid by how much they collect. They don't care about you. They'll call you, they'll harass you, they'll sue you, and they'll report you to credit bureaus, which is in America a whole other problem. So open lines of communication with the provider, the doctor or the hospital doesn't have to be the actual doctor. They've got other things to do. But someone at the clinic. Next item is once you've decided if your charges were fair, they're just high, but they're fair, ask to open a payment plan. By that I mean if the bill is $10,000, ask if they'll accept $300 a month. 
that would be 3600 a year. It'd be paid off in three years. In many cases, they will, because here's a little secret. They may not get money any other way. Doctors and hospitals collect less than 15% of their overdue bills. Uh, that's why they hire collection agencies. They don't collect a lot. So if, if you're willing to pay over time, they will often accept that. What you should not do, incidentally, and this is tempting, is to put the whole $10,000 bill on a credit card. Because you may have a good credit card. But the problem there is, if you ever miss a payment, the interest rate goes way up. And even without a missed payment, you may be paying 12, 15, even 25% interest. So your $10,000 bill will cost you a lot more than it should have. Yes, you'll have the satisfaction that it's all off your credit, but then now you have to pay that credit card bill. And um, so I would, I would not be tempted. I would be tempted, but I would not use a credit card. Keep things with, with the provider. That's very important. Now, what about an extreme case? I recently, in one of my uh, blog articles, documented a case that finally went to the Colorado Supreme Court and involved a lady who had a surgery. It was not cheap. It was a, a spinal stabilization surgery. It cost, I believe, about $50,000. And her insurance paid almost all of it. Her only obligation was her deductible. Well, the hospital did not accept the insurance company's money. They sent her a bill for $300,000. And she didn't know what she was going to do and was desperate. And she did my next recommendation, which is in extreme cases, go public, go to the newspaper, go to the state medical society. Go to the agency that um, certifies and licenses hospitals. Will they change it for you? Not often, but hospitals hate bad publicity. And if you go public, then you will have a chance that they will reduce the bill on their own just to keep you quiet. It's kind of a shame. And it doesn't always work. Um, American hospitals, not all, most American hospitals have a certain financial cushion where they have money that they don't always tell us about it, but they have money put away. Uh, it's put away for expansion. It's put away for emergencies. And they can absorb a reduced bill. In fact, the Affordable Care Act, which was, was no, also known as Obamacare requires nonprofit hospitals to consider people for financial bill reductions all the way up to about $80,000 of family income. And almost nobody knows about that. And very few people use it, partly because it's hard to get. You have to file a lot of paperwork with the hospitals. They don't make it easy for you, but they will abide by it. So it is it is doable. 
So go public. Now, my final basic recommendation, and we can talk about public policy as well, is when you're healthy, put some money in the bank. You can call it a health savings account. You can call it a medical savings account. You can call it just a plain old savings account. Uh, I'm not a specialist, nor would I worry terribly about the the new the 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 type or the legal classification. Savings is savings. Uh, Americans again have been somewhat spoiled by having all medical care paid for. And if you get to Medicare age, which of which I am, then it almost all is paid for. And so I was lucky. I sort of got away without ever saving much for medical care, but many of my friends did not. And so put some money aside. Uh, as the saying goes, you'll be glad that you did. So I'll take a pause here and ask if you have any questions or if I should discuss some solutions, broad solutions to the problem. Right, right. Thanks for all, all the points, uh, Bob, and, and those are very helpful. One thing I wanted to ask about was that you talked about the keep the communication lines open with the uh, healthcare provider or maybe the doctor, the clinic or, or the hospital. Now, what do you mean by uh, this keeping the big uh, uh, lines open, communication lines? Uh, how, obviously, they are not friends. So how do you just, you, can, you can't just keep on dropping an email, hey, how are you? And I'm just, you know, being in touch with you. And uh, or even with the doctor, means you may have follow-ups, but after some time, they are also very busy. They the are. whole healthcare system is busy. Even if they are not busy, for the patient, it always looks busy. And yes. I, I, I don't say it's only in the U.S. Maybe I don't know much about the U.S., but even in India, uh, even a lot of private hospitals, people are, it's not that they are sometimes, many a times acting, but it's actually very busy or maybe they just don't have that gap between one patient to another. I don't know. This whole healthcare system seems to be good with all those medical facilities, but in terms of the human-to-human -human interaction, that has reduced uh, a lot, even in India. That's that's right. It is a challenge. Um, India has become somewhat famous, as I'm sure you know, for what Dr. Shetty has done there, which is to do operations very fast, do them safely, but very fast. And so it's a very lean operation. American medical offices tend to be, have, have more personnel. So what I'm saying may have to be adapted, but in any event, you don't, again, the doctor, again, is probably the worst person here because they're busy. They, they don't like doing this negotiation. Some will, but at any rate, go to the business manager of the clinic and document your communication. If it has to be by a mail, it's by mail. If it's by mail, call a week later, did you get the mail? If it's by telephone, write down who you talk to. I talked to Mr. or Mrs. Smith uh, at 8.15 a.m., on May 7. And so it's a it's a chain of custody, if you will, 
to document what you have done. So communicate and document. And it's it's not easy. Uh, there was a, in a way, we should be thankful we can communicate. There was a sad story from an African nation. I forget if it was Nigeria or Kenya. It was a nation which doesn't have much money for medical care. And in that country, if you can't pay your hospital bill, they will keep you in the hospital. There are people who have been in the hospital for 40 days and they were cured in two days, but the hospital is waiting for their relatives to come pay the bill. So be thankful for paperwork. <laughs> it's better right. than being held in the hospital. Right, right. Right, Doc. Bob, Bob. Now, isn't it a very different sort of a situation, you know, this whole uh, medical profession or the Hippocratic oath and all that stuff? It seemed uh, uh, being a doctor in the medical profession, it, seemed, it is called a noble profession. And, and somehow this whole system has got twisted with, I don't know, what's What's the reason? Maybe corporate money coming in, investor money coming in. It, is a, it has certainly brought much more efficiency within the system in some way, manner. but a lot of things have not, you know, are not up to the mark in many, many places. That's right. And I will talk about the financial aspect. And I'm going to refer to America, but what I say may be applicable in close form in other nations. Here's what's happened. Medical insurance keeps costing more, often because we have new procedures that are good. They save lives, but they cost a lot, and insurance covers them. And so insurance costs more. The reaction to that, since no one wants to pay extra money, there, as we used to say, there's no place in heaven for the person who played too much for their insurance. People want to spend less on insurance, public or private. And so one way to spend less on insurance is to increase what are called the deductibles, which is the first $2,000, $3,000, $4,000 of your bill that you pay yourself. And then on a $10,000 bill, the insurance company only has to pay six or 7000 So that should lower your insurance premium. And people like that. They like lower premiums. However, if, and if you're perfectly healthy all year, you win. You've had the lower premium. You could ignore the deductible because you never got sick. But to some extent, you're betting against yourself. Because if you are sick, you face that deductible. So it's a conflict that I don't blame on the doctors. I don't blame it on the insurance companies. Uh, they have to they have to break even. We don't want them to go broke. They have many flaws, but they need to collect. And so there's a conflict. And in truth, it may take government money to smooth this over. In, in the Affordable Care Act, which is only a portion of American health care, there is a government program to help reduce your deductibles. So if the deductible is $3,000, a government program will come in and 
pay $2,000 if you get sick. Uh, Medicare has the same thing, although it's more complicated, and you have to pay for that privilege. And not everybody in the Affordable Care Act gets it. So I won't go into all the details. But there may be no way to resolve this other than some government money. And so I always, if someone if someone says, oh, we're spending too much on health care, I always say, slow down. Let's read what we are spending. And maybe it helps people to the point that it's worthwhile spending. Absolutely. Absolutely, Bob. So you were also talking of some solutions. Are there any solutions for the, for this problem? Well, yes. Um, one solution is to consider what some countries have done. France has done this. Germany has done this to some extent. The, the, the Scandinavian countries, what they do is they place legal limits on these deductibles. In Germany, the maximum deductible is about $200. It's not $2,000. It's not $4,000. In France, the deductible does not apply if you have a chronic illness like diabetes or asthma because then you will have to get care every month or two. You should get care. You may be hospitalized more than once. And so you're exempted from the deductible. So that's one of the first things is reform the deductibles. A second item is has to do with liability. In America, when you go into the hospital, you sign a form that says, I am liable for any charges that I may incur. And I, understandably, um, I can understand why hospitals put that there. But it's not a good form. It should be amended. I'm not sure of the legal language, and we can take a long time. We don't have time to discuss that. But you should not be forced to agree to any bill or any charge. I would favor what are, I call health courts. We have in America many different types of specialty courts. We have drug courts. We have family courts. We have bankruptcy courts. We have automobile courts. These are courts where the judges specialize, the attorneys specialize. I think we should have health courts for medical bills. So those are three things that I think would be good reforms. Wonderful, wonderful. Nice, nice ideas. And even about, you know, talked about Germany and France. Those are those are indeed good uh, things that can be implemented and should be implemented in as many places as possible. And I'm sure with these steps, things will be better. But there is so much to do in healthcare, you know, and this is just one episode and i'm sure a lot of people will learn uh, from you in this episode but to know more there is so much to do, learn you know more from you on this so how do people connect with you bob what's the best way to do that yes i have a blog that's called four words the anti debt agenda and you can just uh, type those in and 
in your search engine and you'll see articles and communications on this subject. I should also mention that if this, if this bothers you and you want to really, you want to actually help some people, which is wonderful, there is an organization that I'm close to. It's out of New York, but it is nationwide. It's called RIP Medical Debt. And this organization gets charitable contributions, usually from churches. And they are able to go in. It's complicated. I won't go into the mechanics. But they are able to go in and forgive actual bills. And they try to do it based on people who don't have much money and who could never pay the bill, even if they wanted to. And they can't forgive them all. It's a big country, and they're one organization. Uh, they were founded by a large grant from the divorced wife of Jeffrey Bezos. His wife, Mackenzie Scott, received about $50 billion in the divorce, and she is funding groups like this. So good for her. Good for her. And in fact, very good of you also to spread so much of awareness about this medical debt stuff. stuff. And I'm sure uh, with so much of awareness, people will uh, not only, you know, be aware about their rights, what they can do while they are in hospital or out of it, but also look at the savings part that you suggested to save when they are healthy enough for themselves for the future. So with this, it's a wrap on this very special edition of the KJ Masterclass Live. Thank you so much indeed for joining us. Thank you, AJ. It was a pleasure to speak to your audience.